Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. With the expectation of praying and hearing from God, if we create those habits daily, that it'll happen eventually. Don't hear that in a way of saying, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to set aside you know, 15 minutes to, to pray. I'm going to hear from God, and it's going to be great. Because guess what happens the first time I work out? It don't feel good. I don't want to be there. Like, it, it's not good. But over time, it is developed, and it is there. And I think that if we create, I really believe that if we create space in our lives to get away and to hear from God intentionally, you will. You will begin to learn God's voice, how God speaks to you. You'll be able to begin to hear it. And, and what you may find is that this, it may be more like Philip. Because this morning we're going to hear about Philip. Philip was this guy who was led by the Spirit of God. It may be that, the Spirit, that, that, that you begin to feel what the prompting of the Spirit of God feels like when you create space and time within your life to intentionally develop that. And so let's read this story. Now, we don't know which one of these people Philip is, but I do want to start with, with, with uh, just uh, reading Matthew 28 real quick, the very end of Matthew 28, you know, we know it is the Great Commission, and you guys like I can can probably recite it. I'm going to read it just so I don't mess it up because it's not in verses 18, 19, and 20 that I'm really interested in. This is in verse 16 and 17, and two verses that lead up to it. We don't know which one of these guys Philip was. We know Philip was one of the 12. We also know that he was one of the seven that they kind of sent out after the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Um, but we don't know if he was in this group, but we know. So Jesus, all right, this is, this is Matthew 17, uh, Matthew 28, verse 17, or verse 16. Now the 11 disciples, there are 11 because Judas is now no longer with the disciples. The 11 disciples, 11 guys who saw Jesus do every miracle he ever did, um, raised Lazarus from the dead, raised a little boy from the dead, saw many people healed of blindness, lameness, saw demons driven out, saw all this stuff happen saw Jesus rise from the dead himself. Now those 11 went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Some of those 11 doubted. Is that not a little bit crazy? We can say all day long, God, I just want you to speak audibly to me. <laughs> I want you to just perform this miracle, and I'll believe in you. These guys heard God, heard Jesus speak to them directly, gave them all the instructions, saw all the miracles. Some still doubt it. Now, what we do know about those 11 is once the Holy Spirit came upon them, and this is why I'm reading this first, because once the Holy Spirit came upon them that we read about in Acts 2, there was no longer any doubt or any weakness. They had boldness, in fact, if you ever go through and read Fox's Book of Martyrs, he, he lays out like how those 11 were martyred. And some of them we even read about in Scripture. Uh, and So we don't know if Philip was one of those who doubted. We know he was among those 11, so there's only 11 of them. But this is a story of Philip. Therefore, oh, excuse me, I, mean, I am in Romans 8, look at me. It wasn't just something accidentally came out of my mouth. It was deeply ingrained in my brain. All right. I'm going to read uh, all of it. Uh, Heather just read uh, kind of this one um, 
kind of part of Philip's story. And Saul approved of his execution. So it happened at the end of Romans, I mean, of Acts 8. Man, I am, I'm going to get out of Romans eventually. What happened at the end of Acts 8 is Stephen was, was martyred. And it says Saul approved of his execution. I think they probably should have left that with the above there. But anyway, and there arose that day a great persecution against the church of Jerusalem, and they were all scattered through the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So they're saying the apostles still kind of stayed there. Everybody else scattered. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering the house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Verse 4, we see Philip. Now Philip, oh, excuse me. Now those who, went up, who were scattered went about preaching the word. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. The uh, first part of that, uh, in verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word of God. It's a great analogy, they likely did not pray for persecution. They figured out a way to worship God and make the best of it because God, they were scattered because of persecution. What did that do to the gospel? It made the gospel scatter because those people who scattered from Jerusalem, the safe spot or what was once safe, they scattered. Now they're spreading the good news. They're spreading the good news of the gospel that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven, right? Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. They heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying without with a loud voice came out of many who had, uh, who had them. And the many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And there was much joy in that city. So we see this. This is who Philip is, right? Philip's this guy who's just in Samaria. The Spirit of God is working with him. There's healings. There's Driving out demons, it kind of reminds us of what Jesus told his disciples when he was still with them. He sent them out two by two. He sent out the 70, remember? He said, what do you, what do you tell them to do? Go out, preach the kingdom of God has come, drive out demons, heal the sick. Uh, he even said in, in, in Mark's account, raise the dead and come back and let's talk about it and tell me about it. And they came back and said, hey, check it out. I did. So this is what Philip's doing. It's still happening and there was much joy in that city because they realized that God was who he said he was. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. And they paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, now this is, they're talking about Simon, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him for a long time, and he amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he had preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So at one point they're paying attention to Simon. Now Philip comes in and actually preaches truth to them. They actually believe, convert, were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles he performed. And now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. So remember, Samaria was that place where Jesus was there with the woman at the well. They're like, what in the world are you doing talking to this lady? A, you're not supposed to talk to a lady by yourself. B, you're not supposed to be mixing it up with Samaritans. Like this was kind of a no-no land for the Jews. Philip goes in because they're scattered. He preaches. They hear about it, so they sent Peter and John to go with them. So Peter and John go down. And they prayed with him that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 
For he had not yet fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then they lay their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's interesting if you look through Scripture how that comes about on people. Because there are places where people receive and believe in God and the Holy Spirit kind of like right then, right? There's other places where nobody lays hands on anybody. The Holy Spirit just falls on them. That's what happened when Peter went into um, Cornelius' house. It doesn't say Peter's telling them the gospel. The story makes it seem like Peter's just talking. The Holy Spirit falls on us. And sometimes it's afterwards. It's interesting that God is not really... It's interesting also that we argue over that. Instead of just saying, hey, God's done all of them in the Scripture, so however you do it is great. But they laid hands on him, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now Simon saw that the Spirit had been given on through the laying of hands. Guess what? This guy wants a little bit of that, right? And so he goes to the apostles, and he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Let me buy this magic. It's done well for me so far. Let me get it. And Peter looks at him, as you can imagine, and said, may your silver perish with you, with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, in the bonds of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. And when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now, we'll get to the story that I'm really interested in now. Said all that to set up the fact that what we see from Philip is here's a man who is following the Spirit of God. He's scattered, and so where he goes, he's just doing what he does. And God is working through him. So here's how God speaks to Philip. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And so he arose and went there, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. He heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of scripture that, was, that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him about the good news of Jesus. And as they were riding along on the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? So he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. But went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in... Uh, 
I told myself earlier how I was going to pronounce this. I can't remember what I determined. Uh, we'll just go with uh, that town. Uh, Azatus. I, I can't remember what I said. It, that wasn't it. But I've come up with some really fancy way of saying it. And it didn't work. Um, but he found himself there as he passed through. He preached the gospel all the towns he had till he came to Caesarea. So a couple things about this story that I find fascinating and super important. Um, and one is the most important thing for us is how does God speak to Philip? He speaks to him through his spirit, right? This wasn't words from heaven. This wasn't words coming out of a burning, burning bush. This wasn't words from someone else. This wasn't even prayer and just kind of hearing it from God like it says the spirit spoke to Philip and told him what to do. And Philip followed the spirit of God. How do we know and hear the spirit of God? we got to set time aside to build that so that we begin to intentionally hear from God and we know what his spirit sounds like. Why does my son know my voice when I call him? Yesterday we were on a lake all day. You may can tell by my crazy face, suntan. And when they got a little bit too far away, I'd have to yell at them and they heard and they came back, right? How do they know it wasn't John? over here yelling for him. They've heard my voice for six and nine, almost 10 years. Jews 10 tomorrow. They know it. They've heard it. <laughs> Whether they wanted to or not. They did not set time intentionally aside to listen to me. They had to listen to me. I'm in their house. I tell them what to do. They have to listen to me and they know there's consequences if they don't, right? But they've heard it. They've practiced it. They've been there. And if we're not setting time aside every day, to hear from God every week, intentionally to practice hearing. What, is it, what does God's voice sound like? We have to set time aside. Philip had done that work. Philip spent three years with Jesus himself, right? Philip did some work about that, and he knew what it was to hear God, and God's Spirit spoke to Philip and prompted him to say, hey, go up to that chariot. Now, now, here's an interesting thing about Philip, right? He wasn't using conventional wisdom. You can't look at this story and say, oh, well, it just made sense for Philip to go to Gaza, and so that just happened to be there. It didn't. What was Philip doing before? He was in Samaria, in a place where the gospel hadn't been. They were seeing people converted, like whole towns. All these people who believed in the sorcerer Simon now believed in Jesus, and they baptized them all. And it was going so good that they sent in the big guns, Peter and John, to come down there and see, and they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. All this, like it's a good ministry, right? It's going well. He's got the biggest church in town, right? He's got the most, he's got the biggest draw. People like him. Everything's going good where he's going. He's seeing miracles. Like all this stuff is happening. It made no sense for Philip to leave. In fact, if we're using conventional wisdoms like set roots, Philip, build a bigger building. Create some satellite campuses, right? Send some people out to the neighboring towns. We'll just build this thing out. The Spirit of God said, you go to the desert road, like the road is not even really traveled. That's where I want you to go. What does Philip argue with God? No, I mean, we don't know. It just said Philip went. He finds himself on this road. He's going down there, and God says, okay, why am I here? What am I doing here? Oh, there's a chariot over there. Just go on and run up on that chariot. Doesn't tell Philip 
anything other than the next move, right? He didn't say, run up to that chariot. There's going to be a guy in there reading Isaiah, and you're going to tell him this. It just says, go up to that chariot. So Philip runs up beside this chariot. That'd be a little weird, right? You're riding along in your chariot, reading some scripture. You're a somewhat holy guy. We don't know a whole lot about him other than that it says he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was reading Isaiah, so we know that he at least has some kind of compulsion towards Judaism, right? There's some kind of compulsion towards this worshiping community of Jewish folks. Um, he himself is not likely, but he's, I mean, we don't really have a lot of information. Maybe he has converted and he is a non-Jewish person who now believes in the Jewish religion there, but that's about all he's got. He's gone to Jerusalem to worship. We know he's Ethiopian. We know he's high up. He's over all the money, right? And you're sitting there, and you got money, and you're high up, riding along your chariot, reading this thing. Some guy's just, hey, just run up beside you. And he hears him reading and saying, hey, what are you reading? Come on up here, tell me about it. Philip just knew the next move. He just knew to go run beside the chariot like it, looking a little silly. But he hears it. He knows there's an opportunity, right? What are we talking about one of the first weeks that we were talking about? This? Well, actually, this was in the previous, this was in the series right before us. We were talking about the uh, habits of, of um, missional community is always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies in you. Philip didn't say, hang on, let me go study, let me go pray about whatever. He was ready with an answer, right? Let me tell you about Jesus. He's this guy he's talking about. It says, starting with that scripture, Philip explained all good things. Now, the fruit of this was what? The baptism of the Ethiopian. That's what we all want, right? uh, Tom was telling me a couple weeks ago, and I shared this desire with him. It's like, all we really want to see out of church is to see people come to faith and be baptized. Philip got the fruit, right? He has that right there. Now, if we look at Philip's ministry, it's a little bit, you know, he just come from a whole town. Everybody converted and got baptized. Are we really supposed to be celebrating this one random guy on the road to the Gaza? Yep. Right? It was a good thing. He got the fruit. But where'd that come from? Being obedient. What we know now if you follow Christian history 2,000 years later, a huge propulsion of Christianity came from that, from that area in northern Africa. Like now it has been, a lot of it has been converted over to, to Muslim and Islam religion, right? But Christianity, that was like the birthplace of Christianity. I mean, not really, but that was like the infancy of Christianity. It was spreading across northern Africa, even before it ever went up into Europe. I mean, well, we count Rome, right, as Europe. So it went there, but really didn't go much higher than that. But it went all across northern Africa. This is the first encounter we know of someone from the continent of Africa hearing, believing, and he was high up. Can you imagine that probably filtered its way back to the country? Seems one guy in a random chariot, not not much to be celebrated compared to the entire city. But we know what happened after that. And it likely began here. Maybe not all of it, but Philip had a place. It doesn't matter. Even if that guy died on the way from there to Ethiopia, we don't know what happened to him after that. We just know he went on rejoicing. 
But what we know from Philip is that he was, God was speaking to him through, through the Spirit of God. Like the Holy Spirit is nothing to be scoffed at or ignored. It is part of the Trinity, right? I don't know why, but I've had a lot of conversations about the Trinity of God lately. People have asked me questions, and it's just come up in some ways. But we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that God sends the Son into the earth to come and die. The Father and the Son send the Spirit to move and propel the people, and that is what we see in Philip, right? That is mostly how God moves us. We see God moving Paul like that. I've told you guys this before, but I see Paul like the little, like the little uh, terrier on the leash, just wanting to go wherever you kind of let him go. That was Paul. He was going. He was going. He was going until you pulled the leash back, right? He was heading over to, um, I can't remember where he was going, but he, he has the vision, sees the man in Macedonia, the Spirit of God pulling the leash back, saying, oh, you're going to Macedonia. Okay, you're going over here. So he goes. Because the Spirit, he was just going wherever the Spirit of God told him. It's Philip. Philip was doing his great ministry. God says, get up and leave it. You're going to leave this big ministry and go down and just share the gospel with one person. And then you're going to disappear. <laughs> You're going to pull this like David Copperfield thing and end up in this town that has a weird name, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it again. Listening to and hearing from God is unbelievably important for the believer because God is constantly moving us towards people who don't yet know him in all facets of life, rich and poor, Young and old. It doesn't matter the race, the class, the location. God is constantly moving. What is the purpose of us even being a believer? Right? It's not for our own salvation just to make it to heaven. It's for us to be people who display the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And that God gives us opportunity to do that. Like with Philip. But that only happens if we hear the Spirit of God and what? Respond to it. Philip could have heard the Spirit of God say, hey, go to the throat of God. He could have done like I do a lot of times, if I'm being honest. God, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That must be the devil telling me that. Must be Satan again telling me to do something crazy. Because that doesn't seem very fruitful. It doesn't seem fruitful to say, hey, let's, let's, let's not try to Grow a church based off of a, seeing how attractional we can make it. But let's see if we can just lean into the word, into, into worship, into the community. That seems ridiculous. Let's just see. Let's trust God. We're still trusting, right? Um, God, pick, fire, pick up and leave. Fairly successful place that you were at before you came to this little church in Easley. Doesn't make a lot of sense, right? A lot of times, now I'm giving you a couple of examples where I've been uh, obedient. A lot of times I'm like, I don't make any sense whatsoever. It must be the devil talking to me again. I'm about to pray that away. Get the devil out of here, right? We need to be like Philip. You want me to pick up and leave from this place where you're doing this great ministry because you got something else you got me to do? Sure, let's go. You don't do that if you can't hear the Spirit of God, if you don't know what the Spirit of God sounds like. You also don't do that if you're not obedient.
to God's spirit. And here's what I can tell you, and we've talked about this a couple times. The more you respond in obedience to the spirit of God, the more readily you hear God's spirit. And the more you ignore it and say, no, this isn't it, the less you hear from God. I've done the market research on that. Learn from me. Don't find it out on your own, right? Begin to practice hearing. And sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you early on, be like, God, is that your spirit or not? Like, I don't really know. Let me just be obedient to it and just see what happens. I've done that before. That's a scary place because you're like, I don't know. I haven't practiced enough or I'm out of practice. I got out of that habit. I didn't listen for a long time, so I forgot what the voice of God And now I'm stepping out. Man, this is kind of scary because it could be ridiculous. But God in his mercy and his goodness is there to catch us, right, if it is a mistake. But most of the time, I've found that it wasn't. It was just little next tasks. And I think it may be, I'm just, this is not theological. Don't write this down as this is definitely what's happening. I'm telling you up front, I don't know. But I think it could be God giving me little tasks to see if I'm going to be faithful, right? Because what does Scripture say? If you're faithful with a little, I mean, if you're faithful with much, he'll give you more, right? Maybe it's just starting out. Say, are you going to be faithful to this? Okay, now I know that you're listening. Maybe go do this. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. That's just my speculation. I'm not trying to pull that in and say this is gospel truth. But what I can tell you is we don't hear God's voice if we don't take time and decide to intentionally listen to it. And if we don't, we could be missing out on opportunities. Like Philip with the Ethiopian. And this time, it wasn't a voice from a prophet. It wasn't a voice from a sky. It wasn't a voice from a burning bush. This was God's spirit just prompting, just moving him. It was kind of like an Acts. If we flip over later, I believe it's in verse 23, Paul's sitting there on the beach with this church that he had helped start, and I can't remember what town it was in. And they're crying and saying it's really emotional. And Paul's telling them, I don't know what's happening. All I know is that... In every place I go, the Spirit of God is compelling me, right? It's pulling me. Paul talks about this idea of God's Spirit. It's just, he said, I don't even know what it is. He said, all I know is every place I go, God's Spirit is compelling me. It's pulling me forward. This idea of uh, God's Spirit just being wrapped up with us and just kind of leading us along. I use the dog on a leash, uh, you know, um, Example that sounds pretty harsh. A friend of mine used a uh, like the Cinnabon at the mall. You kind of are at the airport. You kind of smell it. You kind of follow it. You know, that's a lot gentler and a lot nicer kind of thing. I was the Donnelly. So use what you want to do. But Paul uses this. It's kind of this is Philip's thing. The Spirit of God is just propelling me. Maybe this morning the Spirit of God is propelling you towards something. My encouragement is, if you're not sure if it's God's Spirit, well, hey, A, we'll pray with you. B, just follow it. See where God takes you from there. Respond to it. Be obedient to it. For some of us, it's just the Spirit of God's compelling us to believe. Believe that He is who He says He is. Believe that He can do the things He said He could do. Believe that forgiveness is there. 
some of us have a hard time forgiving ourselves for things, and we just need to believe that. That could be the first promptings of the Spirit. Wherever it is that God has you this morning, my prayer is that you will hear and obey. And so with that, we're going to pray. I had a whole bunch of stuff here. I didn't even say none of it. But we'll let God's Spirit speak to you instead of me. So let's pray. God, you're prompting each of us to hear and to know. And God, my prayer is that we would hear, know, and obey what you're telling us. I don't know what that is for everybody. I sense what that is for me, and I pray that each of us would be obedient to you just like we read in your word in John 15, that if we were just remain in you, it will bear much fruit. But apart from you, we can do nothing. God, we want to bear fruit. We want to bear much fruit. So God, help us to remain in you. God, give us discipline to develop times and habits of practicing listening to you if we're not doing that. God, give us wisdom to know your voice. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org. Thank you.